If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Chapter 26, and we're continuing in our series um, called God Said. And we've been looking at the promises of God. That's, the scriptures are full of God's promises. So wonderful. And they're very important for us. They're very important for us as believers to, to, to know about them and to receive them and to live in their realities. You know, God is on your side. God is for you. God is with you. And he ensured all, his, all of that by backing it up by sending us Jesus. He let us know that when he gave us his own son. And the Bible says that in him, all the promises of God are yes and in him, amen. And so we've been looking over what these promises are, you know, and, and that way we can, we can say, oh my goodness, God promises that. And then we grab a hold of that and say, then that's what I'm going to have. I want to see this church and I am seeing this church where when you see the word of God, when you hear the message of God, a message of the scriptures, and you, it falls on your ears that you at that moment say, that's what I want. That's what I'll take. That's what I receive. That's what I believe at that moment. See, yeah. Christian maturity, is, it really starts when your arguing stops. Yeah. Uh-huh. Amen. All right? That is, well, I, I don't believe that. Well, okay. Well, that's what the scripture says. Well, I, I just, well then you're not going to grow. See, growing is this continual thing where we, we look into the perfect law of liberty and whether we, I mean, there are scriptures in there that um, I don't particularly like. Turn your other cheek. I don't like that scripture. I, I wish it would just say how I feel, Right? Someone strikes you on the cheek, man, you deliver a blow that will knock them on their rear end, right? That's what I feel like it should say. (laughs) But that's not what it says. So I have to align myself up with the truth of the Word of God over how I feel, right? That's what I'm saying. This process of maturing is where we decide we're going to believe God and forget how we feel about it. And the moment you believe God, guess what? It's amazing. Your feelings will follow. Your feelings will follow your faith in him. Your feelings will follow your faith in him. Your feelings will follow your faith in the Father. So we've been looking at, we talked about what God promised concerning healing. And what God promised concerning his peace, that we have peace with God. It's not something that we're trying to attain to. We already have it. Religion, religion teaches people that they need to do certain things so that they can get God to smile on them so that they can have peace. But no, Jesus made peace because Jesus Christ himself is our peace. So we have, this is our state of being as believers. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Amen. So then that, that takes all the fear and trepidation out of your relationship with him. You can know that you can always come to him. We talked about coming boldly. Coming boldly is coming humble. Hallelujah. All right, now, let's get into some new things today. And what we're going to see here for, for a moment, I want you to know the Scripture says, the Word of God says that God said, that is, you are rich. So why don't you just say that with me? I am rich. You're rich. Yeah, you are rich both spiritually and you are rich materially as well. Now, you might not see that material thing as far as riches is concerned, but I'm here to tell you today that all of it is God's will for you. It is all God's will. 
It's, it, there is an overabundance of evidence in the Scripture concerning this matter. And I want to help you today by helping you understand that it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom and everything that comes with that kingdom. All that that kingdom is about. We all know what, what Ephesians says, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Praise God. But you got to think about what that means. Because everything that is in the natural came out of that which was in the spirit. Everything that is visible came out of the invisible. So if you're blessed with every spiritual blessing, guess what? You're blessed with every natural blessing as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. Stay there in Genesis 26. I just want to read a couple of scriptures to you. It says, Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, he says, What do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? See, here's, here's a lot of the problem in the church right here. God has said that you have it, but there are people saying, well, I don't have it. I don't see it. That doesn't change the, the truth, though. So we have to come along the way and go, I need to change then. If I'm not seeing it, it's not because God hasn't provided it. It's because I have not opened the avenue in my life for me to receive it, apparently. Yeah. Right? You really are responsible for your life. I mean, I would love, I think it would be easy to just think that God's in total control of everything and, you know, case they're off, they're off. But uh, no, that's not how God set it up. He's not in control of everything. He put men over the control of the earth a long time ago. So what happens here, in large part, is our responsibility. Now, there's going to be a time when Jesus Christ comes back and he shows us how it's supposed to be done. But the earth has been rented or leased to us, right? That's why we got to get over this fact. we got to take responsibility for our own lives. we got to take responsibility for what comes out of our mouths, for the thoughts that we think, and for the way that we live our lives. Because we are accountable to the living God who created this earth, who gave us this beautiful thing called free will, this thing called choice. We're the only creatures in this world that have this beautiful privilege of choice. And your life where you are today is made up mostly of the choices that you've made. Now, you might not like that, but guess what? I got good news for you today. You can make new choices. And you can live a life that you like. Amen. Now, watch. Why do you boast if you had not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. This is what Paul's telling them. You're already rich. You just have to see this. You have to act like it's true. You have to say, okay, that's what I have. Because if you don't ever acknowledge it, then guess what? You're never going to experience the joy of it. Just like God reconciled the whole world into himself. He already wrote everybody's names in heaven by virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are those who will not acknowledge it, see? So they don't get to receive the benefit of that. See, God gives you these things, but these promises, but these promises also have to be possessed by us. Right? He puts them out. Just remember when he gave the children of Israel the promised land? Right? But what did they have to do? They had to go get it. Right? It's yours. And when they got there, they started stumbling at all the, the contrary circumstances about that promise. Oh, my God, there's giants in the land. Oh, my goodness, there are fortified cities. Oh, we can't do this. And Joshua and Caleb, two out of 12 guys, the only two guys that said, no, 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 God said it. We can have it. But they chose to believe, the scripture says, the evil report. So guess what they did? They died in the desert. 
That generation of unbelievers did not get to receive the promise because they chose to believe the evil report other than what God had said. And I, I, I want to see the body of Christ enjoying all the promises of God. I want to see you enjoying his promises. Yes. What God has said is true. What God says you can have, you can have. Who God says you are is exactly who you are. You're going to have to just believe it. Yeah. And walk it out by faith. Amen? Now, so Paul says you're already rich. You're already full. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 26. We're going to see some beautiful things. There was a famine in the land. Isn't that great? That's not the beautiful thing I was going to talk about. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So what, what happened was, uh, uh, this is Isaac here it's talking about. And they've come into some hard times, right? Now watch. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. And the reason Isaac was tempted to go to Egypt during the famine is because that's what his daddy had done years and years earlier. There was a famine. God told him to get up out of his house, his father's house, and go to a land, which I will show you. And when he got there, there was a famine. So Abraham said, I'm out of here. And he went to Egypt. And the Bible says that when he came out of Egypt, he came out rich in cattle and gold and silver and possessions. He was, he was blessed. Now, it was important that Abraham did that because God was really showing a, big, a larger picture by that doing. One being that 400 years later, the children of Israel... Uh, came out of slavery in Egypt. And guess what they came out as? They came out with abundant possessions when they came out of Egypt. They went in impoverished. They went under the bondage of slavery. But when they came out, they came out with all the possessions of the Egyptians. And the Bible says there was not one feeble among them. Two and a half million people in one night became completely, perfectly whole and healthy. It's the greatest healing miracle ever. We don't really talk about that one much. But all of them were completely and healthy the, night, the day they walked out of there. Not one feeble among them. Powerful. And also, they also had all the riches of the Egyptians. They had the audacity to go knock on their doors and ask them for their gold and their silver and their money. And the Egyptians just gave it over to them. And they walked out of there healthy and rich. Watch this. So the Lord said, don't go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land. Ooh, God, don't you know there's a famine going on in this land? Dwell in this land. In the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land. And I will be with you and bless you. Oh, that's all you need to know. That wherever you are, if God is with you and his blessings on you, it does not matter your geographical location. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands and, and will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. That same blessing that God spoke over Abraham, now he's speaking over Isaac. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Guess who that includes? You. Yeah. Amen. Because Abraham, watch, why is God going to do this? Why is God going to do this for Isaac? Because Abraham. 
He's doing this for Isaac because Abraham obeyed my voice, because Abraham kept my charge, because Abraham kept my commandments, because Abraham kept my statutes, because Abraham kept my laws. My God, what a, what a, what a blessing it is from one generation to another when one generation decides they're going to live for God. And how good it is for the descendants. How good it is for their children and their children's children that follow. But what amazing thing is that because Jesus Christ died for our sins, because he was buried, because he went to that that grave, and because he rose again the third day, because he obeyed God, because he did what he needed to do to satisfy God's wrath, to satisfy that payment for sin, hallelujah, because Jesus took it all upon himself and followed his Father's voice, you get the blessing. Because he performed so well, not because you did. Isaac, you're blessed because your daddy did all of these wonderful things. You're blessed, ladies and gentlemen, because Jesus did all these wonderful things for you. And guess what? You get in on this because you're part of the family. But there were certain things that Isaac needed to do as well. All right? The blessing was certainly on him. God was certainly with him. Even in a land with famine. Now watch. Verse 6, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So he stayed. Verse 12, let's skip down to verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Wow. And reaped in the same year a hundredfold. In a land of famine? And the Lord blessed him. You might write this down. Be a giver no matter where you are. Be a giver no matter where you are. It don't matter. If you've got God, you win. God, say this, God plus me equals a majority. All right? There ain't no enemy that can stand against you. Poverty, poverty lack, those kinds of, they don't stand a chance. Yeah, I know we're living in uncertain times. I know what the state of this economy is. I know it's not good right now, but... Believers, you have a better reality than this. You have a God who is with you and whose blessing is on your life. What a time for you to begin to sow in this land at this time. This is not the time for us to hold back. This is not the time for us to hoard up and to store away. Oh, you just never know. We don't live like that. We do know. We do know that we are blessed and we will be a blessing. Whatever economic circumstances going on, I don't care. God is with me. This is the time to release, not the time to hold on. And I want to encourage you, believer, give in this time. What? Just allow God to be who he wants to be for you. Let him release his blessing upon you. Don't hold back. That's the system of the world. Those that came out of the Great Depression, I was telling the earlier service today. Now, my grandmother, she's a woman of God. But, you know, there were some things about that Great Depression that kind of messed her up. She... You, you look in her cabinet, she has saved every butter dish, uh, but, you know, like country crock and those kinds of things, or Cool Whip bowl, or yogurt cups. You can go and just, there's tons of them. Because of the mindset, well, you just never know. You never know. And now we have TV shows about them. We call them hoarders, right? <laughs> because they came out of that thought, because, uh, because of that uncertainty, see? That ain't, that ain't you. That ain't you. Open your hand in a time like this. Open your hand in a time. You'll be amazed to see how your giving, giving of your possessions, giving of what you have, where you have it, where you are, will allow you to possess what God really wants for you. 
But if you're completely dependent upon yourself and you take God out of the equation, then that will be the reality of your life. You'll get what only that you can give. You'll get what only you can accomplish, what you can muster, what you can work for. I need him. You need him. Because if we're going to get this gospel out, we're going to have to give. If we're, going to, if we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, if we're going to continue to grow and continue to increase, and if you're going to continue to grow, and if you're going to experience what God's, God's blessing on your life, you're going to just have to understand that giving is the key. Yeah. Giving is the key. All right? Isaac sowed in that land full of famine. And he reaped a hundredfold. Now, look at verse 13. Some of you need to just underline and highlight this this verse of Scripture right here because look what happens when he did. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. (laughs) That's beautiful, isn't it? He began to prosper. He continued prospering until he became very prosperous. I like that. For he had, watch, for he had For he had such love for God. Is that what it says? For he paid the price. For he was so spiritually wealthy. That's why he was so prosperous. Well, ultimately, yeah. But look what this says. Until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions. Possession is part of prosperity. Why are we so afraid to say that? For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. So the guys who didn't have a covenant with God, so the guys, the Philistines who God was not with, envied them. Envied him, I should say. So give no matter where you are. Because it really doesn't matter because God's with you. All right? Turn over to Mark for a moment. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Just as much as you are sure that Jesus' blood cleansed you from sin and his body was broken for your healing, so you must understand that he paid a great price for you to prosper. Big time. Don't let these ding-dongs out there that are telling you something other. Otherwise, they don't know how to preach the Bible. They just preach their denomination talk you out of that. All right? You still happy? Yeah. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put the money in the treasury. No pressure there. Right? I hope I brought my wallet on that day. Right? What this teaches us about God is he really does care what you're given. He cares how you're giving, actually. It says it care, he, he watched how they put the money in the offering bucket. He's sitting watching them. Can you imagine? Oh, God, I didn't know you were going to be here today. Now watch. He's there watching how it's done. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites. Those aren't bugs. Those are like, it's actually pieces of money. Two, two pennies, we'll say which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said, guys, look at this. Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow 
has put in more than all those guys in the treasury. Now watch. For they all put in out of their what? But she out of her... So according to this scripture, the rich and the poor should give. Washington, the rich and the poor. Okay. For, for they all put in out of their... Now watch. They all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. What he said was, that's all the money she's got. And she put it all in the offering bucket. Now, there are a lot of people today that say, you're crazy. You give everything to the church. You realize you don't even know what they're doing with that money over there. Right? And then Jesus just stops the story right there. The Bible just stops the story right there, and we don't know anything else about this little widow. Now, in our little PC society that we live in, and how we love everybody and our hearts bleed so much for every little cause out there, if we saw Granny give everything that she had, I'm going to have to admit, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to do something a little bit different than Jesus here. I'm going to say, come here, Grandma, let me help you out for a second. Come over here. And bring her back in there and say, you just grab handfuls of that money out of there and you take all that you need, sweetheart. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? I mean, come on. Are we... Jesus didn't even do that. He just let her walk out completely destitute. He took her money. He just let her give all her money and just watched her walk out and said, guys, you see that? She gave way more than everybody else. What's the deal here? Well, Jesus knows how his word works. He knows that the promises of God are sure. He knows that God's provision is so much greater than what she could do by just grabbing handfuls of money right here. She would sell herself short if she could only take what man could provide. But that moment when she put everything in there, she went right into full partnership with God. And Jesus said, man, that's great. See, he knew that that moment she really became rich. The poor lady really became rich the moment she put her life in God's hands. Glory. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. Boy, I'm preaching better than your amen, and you guys are sitting so quiet out there. <clears throat> well, hold, I, can feel, I can feel you grabbing hold of that wallet and purse. <laughs> she put in more. Now, now, what this teaches us, be a giver no matter what you have. Be a giver no matter where you are, and be a giver no matter what you have. Don't wait till you get to a certain income to decide to start tithing then. Because guess what? When you get to that income, you won't tithe. We don't decide to tithe each Sunday morning. We're going we to keep doing this, honey, today? Or should we? Right? We made a decision a long time ago. We're going to do this, and we're just committed to it, to give. And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm here actually to brag on God because what comes into our lives is so much more than what we make. It's because we're partnered with him. I've seen God do it 
I've seen it happen. I've seen his supernatural provision over and over in my life. I, I, would tell, I could tell you story after story after story of how God has completely provided for us. I mean, far more than what we could ask or think and continues to do that because we're allowing his gifts to come into our lives by not being holding on to our possessions and acting like they're the ultimate. Right? Stuff is stuff. And like I've said before, the stuff that you have today, they're going to sell it pennies on the dollar at the garage sale when you leave this earth. Your kids, your grandkids are not going to care one bit about it. Right? It's uh, We're just stewards. That's all we are. Stewards of the stuff that we have. And I'm telling you, the greatest thing that you can do is give that stuff up. Give it away. Because in that moment, you're saying, God, I need you in my life. I need you. I welcome you into my money. I welcome you into my financial situation. Hmm. There's where your love walk will be tested. That's where your love walk will be tested. If you can truly allow God to partner with you financially. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. He was telling them about the Philippian church, how they were givers. And he said, I'm not here commanding you to do this. I'm testing the sincerity of your love. Oh, that's better. I'd rather you command me than, than test the sincerity of my love, right? What Paul said here was, giving proves you love God. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hey, we needed God to prove. God so loved the world that he gave. He proved it. Remember what Jesus said to Peter after he was risen from the dead? Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I love you. He said, give, feed my sheep. Yeah. Peter, do you love me? Uh-huh. Feed my sheep. Be a giver. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You see this? All right. I'm almost through. One more place. Can you go with me one more place? You guys got to help me preach a little bit, all right? 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Why? So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And that has nothing to do with spiritual riches there, actually. What that teaches us, though, is that giving cures selfishness. He, for your sakes, became poor. And the next chapter over, it says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. What that means is you give big, you receive big. And then let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The last thing is, be a happy giver. If you can't be happy and do it, please, please don't. All right? Don't do it. If you can't give happy, you can't, if you, if, 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 if it's just, too hard to let that go. Then don't do it. If it's grudging or if you feel like, oh gosh, they're passing the bucket today. 
get something out of the purse, honey. Well, it's got to do something. Let's tip the preacher. All right? It says, God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, a cheerful giver is one who just can't get over what God's done for him. Cheerful giver is one who, who is so overwhelmed and amazed by God's grace. Think about all the sins that you committed, none of them compared to his grace to be able to just take them all away. All his blood just washed all away all your sins. God puts you in heavenly places with him. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing, and you have a heart. Yeah, I'm giving the offering blanket. Huh? And so to feel good about yourself, you talk about the preacher. Oh, there he is, taking our money, right? To try to appease your conscience because you don't want to mess with that. You don't want to listen to what your heart is telling you. So you want to blame the preacher for being a cheater and how many people are out there embezzling and doing all kinds of stuff. Believe the Bible. Just believe the scriptures and be set free. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Be set free. Prosper. That's what God's will is for you. Prosper. Prosper. God wants you to prosper. You don't have a higher standard than God, I promise you. Any of you have kids, you want them to be poor so that they'll learn humility? So that they'll, you want your kids to be in lack, right? Eking out, an, eking out a poor existence in this world, huh? You want your kids like that, right? But our Heavenly Father gets accused of that all the time. Like we have some better standard. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Yeah. Amen. You got that nature because God put that nature in you. Yeah. Amen. God wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It gives him pleasure to bless you. I like what Psalm says. It says that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. I love that. Just, just be convinced and do it God's way. Be a giver and watch what he'll do. And don't just try it a couple of times and go, well, it didn't work. Just make up your mind you're going to be a giver. You're going to be generous. Amen. You're going to let your stuff hold you. He holds you. Amen. All right. I'm done preaching at you. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 930 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.